Hello and welcome to the Enlightened Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hunt. In today's episode, we take a deep dive into one of the most important historical figures in the history of humankind, and that is Winston Churchill. I'm going to pretend like I haven't re-recorded this ad 15 times. Hi, I'm Ben Hunt. I hate to interrupt your lovely podcast experience with this ad, but I'm going to anyway. Why? Because Anchor needs me to. So I'm really never going to advertise for anything that I don't believe in, and Anchor, I actually believe in. So Anchor is an app or a website that allows me to do everything I need to for the podcast. It allows me to record and edit right from my phone or my computer. It also allows me to distribute my podcasts on every listening platform you can think of, from Spotify to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, even Stitcher. So basically, it's a one-stop shop for everything you need in a podcast. And best of all, it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On our lovely, well, it feels like a Sunday morning. Yeah, well, I'm on vacation, so every day is Saturday for the next week. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But happy Easter, everybody. Yeah. For those who celebrate, happy Passover. Yeah. Uh, Ramadan Mubarak to our penny Ramadan fasters. We actually really do run the gambit. I don't know, religion-wise, but just based on the number of people listening in from various countries, we have everywhere from all over Africa. We have a couple of Asian mm-hmm. countries. We have several listeners from Turkey, which is awesome. Um, Latin American ones. Happy holidays yeah. to anyone celebrating in this month of April where three major holidays all happen in the same weekend. Yeah, exactly. It's the Jerusalem of days. <laughs> so, um, obviously, judging by the title, you guys will probably know that this is our latest installment of Crash Course History, which we have not done in... We've been slacking a little bit, but we've been yeah, busy. Yeah, we have. A lot of classes on both of our parts. A lot of classes. Teaching and taking. Yes. So continuation of our World War II history, we left off, we spent a lot of time with uh, Nazi Germany last time. And that was, we, we really focused on the Axis in the first couple of years of the war. No, they were kicking butt. They were, and not in a good way. Like, Nazi Germany was winning by a landslide. Yep. So, to tell the other side of that coin... <laughs> We gotta talk about, you know, one of the individuals who stopped that. You know, Stalin definitely was very important. I don't know how you wanna yeah, phraseology can... that one, especially the way that Russia is. Horrible human being, but um, critical to the fail. I will just say I won't say critical to the success of the Allies, but critical to the failure of Germany because without Stalingrad. I would say critical to the success of the... Yeah. I just don't want to give him credit because he's a horrible human being. Well, he was as bad as Hitler, if not yeah. worse. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but point being, this is a long-ended way of getting into Churchill. Churchill! The bulldog of England. Uh, who is 
God damn it. If he I love isn't, him. He's fantastic. There are, like, if you say that, like, who is the most interesting woman in history, I would say, like, oh, man, you've got, like, Eleanor of Aquitaine, uh, Eleanor of Roosevelt, Elizabeth mm-hmm. I, Catherine the Great. Margaret of Anjou. Um, who is the Hawaiian... Uh... Uh, oh god queen she was really yes, cool I too I can't remember her name now but yeah the last queen of Hawaii but the the point being there's a lot of yeah. really cool really interesting women that like really get close to top dog you ask me who the most interesting man to ever live is I'm gonna say it really comes down to Teddy Roosevelt he's the most interesting man in the world it is it, and he smokes it, the cigars and he drinks the scotch it's not just that it's just Churchill did and saw so many things. Yep. He lived at that time in history where literally every other decade was a world-defining event. It, it uh, he was in From two Queen world Victoria wars. to the Beatles, Elizabeth the second, because he didn't. When did he die? Nineteen sixty-five. Yeah, think? he yeah to so Elizabeth the second because she came to the throne in like fifty-two or fifty-three or something. So literally. Queen Victoria mm-hmm. to Queen Elizabeth II. It is insanity. So I recently read Andrew Roberts' um, biography, Walking with Destiny, which was very, very good. Little hagiographic, a little too... He was perfect and kind of... Put him up on a pedestal. Yeah, which I, you know, the the guy that was the anything. That is with a lot of biographies, though, is a lot of them do... I would say he goes even further. Okay. And I, I like... Andrew Roberts style. I I loved the book. I thought it was fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. But I don't think it was quite as balanced as it should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a lot of marks against him. But one of the major points he puts on the last page, and he goes, you know, a lot of people retroactively are saying that, um, you know, Churchill was a wild racist and, uh, you know, he was anti labor and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, if you put it in the perspective of, he was born in 1878. Mm-hmm. For anyone who doesn't know, 1878 is the year that the British Empire outlawed human sacrifice in its colonies. Yeah. Because that was still an issue then. Because that was still a thing. Churchill died the year the Beatles released Ticket to Ride. That is a hell of a spectrum in which to live. He lived a long life, but he lived it through probably the most interesting period of time in England. Oh, yeah. Ever. <clears throat> Arguably one of the most interesting periods in history. Just all of the change, the modernization, the industrialization. Just... It's, yeah, you, you, you're you born on, you know, a, a few years past the Industrial Revolution and then you have to watch as, you know, you literally go through the Tokinian countryside to to revolutionize modern England into mechanized warfare in mm-hmm. World War One. I. I mean, you, you go from fighting in, like, colonies and taking over... Where people are still using, like, swords and axes yeah. and all that stuff to the atomic bomb. Exactly. And past that... Yeah. You know, you're in the Suez Height crisis. Of the Cold War. Yeah, and the it's just. Uh, Did he live? What did you say he died? Nineteen sixty. I think it was sixty-five. Okay, so yeah, the Kennedy assassination too. Then mm-hmm. Franklin Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower. He did meet um, Kennedy on a couple of yeah. uh, on a couple of um, times. I believe Kennedy read um, his book and loved it. 
But yeah, um, so we should say Winston Churchill was born in the ancestral house of the Marlboroughs. Marlboro. Um, Churchill, and this is something that people really, if there is one criticism of Churchill, it's that he never had a um, day of want in his life. No. Literal, like, stereotypical English aristocracy, English landed gentry. Uh, that's, uh, I think Andrew Roberts makes the point of, uh, he, from what he can gather, and he seriously looked into it, he is not sure that Churchill ever dressed himself in his life. <laughs> that's the level of just no, sheer No, he definitely would have to when he was, um, when he was imprisoned in, during the Boer War. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. He was a POW for a while. Yeah. I mean, maybe he had, like, somebody, like, a buddy there who was his personal valet in the prisoner of war camp, but... Yeah, I'm not <coughs> sure. But, point being, it is stupid, yeah. the amount of wealth that Churchill was... And he was... And I shouldn't even say, because he didn't even possess this no. amount of wealth. He lived and died in debt. Yeah. Actually, I should say, he. I think he crawled himself out of debt by the very end, out of book deal. Yeah, was really how he got there. And but he was speeches. the he was the was he the only son of a younger son? Was that what it was? Yes. So uh, he his father was like the younger son yeah. of the, the Duke of Marlborough. So the Duke of Marlborough were um, the Duke of Marlborough, like the the I believe the original mm-hmm. one. Um, I forget his actual name, but he he was very instrumental in the uh, in the English Spanish Wars, mm-hmm. and he was just a he he saved England in a. Uh, a series of like brilliant yeah. military um, victories that you know prevented England from toppling. Mm-hmm. So they were very high up in English nobility for literally like a thousand years, and Churchill did like was descended from that. And their what is the name of their castle? Because Blenheim. Blenheim, yes. Because um, Churchill was born in yeah. this. It, it was literally a, a, a castle that openly the English kings and queens had visited and had talked about how they were jealous yeah. of how awesome they lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of this fabulous wealth uh, was des- descended to Churchill's grandfather. And Churchill's grandfather had two sons. Right. And the elder one inherited... And the the second one uh, still retained the title of sir. Yeah, it's like if you're like you still are like Lord something or other. Mm-hmm. Like he was like Lord Randolph Churchill or something like that, and then Churchill. Yeah, no, I believe he was Sir Randolph Churchill because his brother was Lord Randolph Churchill because he was like the I believe that was um, his older brother retains the title of Lord, and then you're like kind of a knight ish. No, because the title is Duke. Lord is um, more of a courtesy title. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm thinking it was... Yeah, so um, he would like he would have mm-hmm. been like... Somewhat like so-and-so Churchill, Duke of Marlborough, and then mm-hmm. it would have been Lord Randall. Like, and then it kind of descends from there where it gets less and less where like mm-hmm. the grandson of a duke yeah. is like the honorable mm-hmm. something or other. Yeah. Um, but... So Churchill's father was the younger brother. Yeah. And Churchill's father... Oh, my God. I love talking about Churchill's parents. Oh, God. Because they are two very interesting people. Very much so. So his father was Randolph Churchill, who Mm -hmm. was... He was an MP, right? Yeah, he was a... Member of Parliament. I don't want to say he was a... 
like child prodigy because he wasn't a child prodigy but he was like the youngest member of parliament Mm -hmm. and he was basically everyone earmarked him as being the next uh prime minister Mm -hmm. like he was very much like he was in his 30s and he just tore up the english government he was that he was a a genius orator he was uh, very political savvy it was a it was a whole thing where he was set to basically conquer the world. Yeah, but he was also a little bit of a philanderer. I there is. He died of syphilis. So they they question whether or not he died of syphilis. He died of a brain a rare brain disease that could be syphilis, couldn't be syphilis. Andrew Roberts is adamant that it is not syphilis. I believe uh, William Manchester is adamant that it was syphilis. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure is the answer. But the rumor is is that Churchill's father... Got around. Got around. Granted, Churchill's mother also got around. Yes, and it was... uh, What's McCall? It wasn't necessarily that he was a philanderer, because it's openly talked about. Like, there may have been, uh, you know... uh, women of the evening uh, that was very commonly for sex workers yeah it's uh it's a it was a common fact of life for the aristocracy that you know woman could be acquired for them and syphilis is one of those things that it can lie dormant Mm -hmm. so they they question whether or not it was you know he cheated on his wife or he didn't cheat on his wife and i don't believe his wife cheated on him during their while they were married i think it was yeah after he died because he died young yeah and then she she was, was like a renowned beauty yes and she was like the beauty of the the prince of wales is one of her paramours we should probably clarify because not everyone understands how english aristocracy works this he was the prince of england who later became king King of england yeah king edward seventh queen victoria's oldest son i think so once again no one understands that (laughs) what it is is queen elizabeth of England right now, the current Queen yes. of England that we know, her grandfather slept with Churchill's mother. Great grandfather. Pretty sure it was grandfather. Pretty sure it was great grandfather. I am ninety percent sure it's grandfather. Okay. You can Google it now. So dastardly Google <laughs> has proven me wrong. Yep. Lady Jenny was one of the numerous mistresses of Edward the Seventh. Edward the Seventh, who is great grandfather to the current queen, yes. yeah. Who, uh, <clears throat> upon further review of the play, uh, completely wrong. Uh, Lady Churchill <laughs> was a mistress. Yes, she <coughs> got around with everyone, including a descendant of Bismarck. Yep, it and her is... second husband was like Churchill's age. He was not happy about that. Not in the slightest. Nope. Um, he... Just very interesting. She was an American, obviously. His father was um, the son of a, um, a, a, of a duke. Yep. Uh, so it was an interesting match. She he didn't was... have any of his own money, so he married her for her inheritance. 
No, by all accounts, it actually was a love marriage. They, they did love each other, yes, but it was also, like, she was an American soldier. Oh, it was, uh, what's it called? It was definitely a plus in her favor. Yeah. Like, it's not a, what's it called? Money doesn't mean everything. Um, you can love someone, but they can also be rich, and, that you know, I don't think anyone's going to say, like, oh, that's a super point against them. Um, especially when you need money yeah. for a political career. And her father was a New York investment banker, no something. Idea. He did something along the lines in on Wall Street where he was just stupid rich for a long time. He eventually lost all of his because, money. You know. It was dumb. But he was, um, at the time of the marriage, he was like insanely rich. Yeah. So she w- uh, basically vacationed in England and then started to run in noble circles. And then she met Randolph, and Randolph and her fell in love, and they had two children? Yeah, I think they had two boys. I think Churchill yeah. was the oldest. Winston Churchill is the oldest. Was the oldest of the two boys, yeah. Yes, Winston was the oldest. I forget his brother's name. I want to say it was like John. Maybe. Um, yeah. But point being is that... Uh, Churchill's parents were basically just wild partiers. Yep. Her, uh, his mother didn't give a flying fuck about him uh, until he was older, and then they be then their relationship became far better. And I believe they were closer to friends mm-hmm. than um, I, I, Churchill. I think said she was uh, closer to an older sister, or somebody mm-hmm. alluded to the fact that she was closer to an older sister mm-hmm. than she ever was to a mother to him. But his entire childhood, they just didn't give a shit about him openly. Yeah. They literally packed him off to boarding school, and they would visit him in a six-month span. I think they saw, or his mother saw him twice. Yeah. Whereas, uh, if you read her diary, it's like she is literally out partying and carousing every night of her life. Mm -hmm. And her husband's doing the same thing. But he's also very focused on his Political political career. And he's very, very harsh. To uh, Churchill, who from a very young age is displayed to be a very sensitive and thoughtful mm-hmm. child who uh, basically will constantly get into trouble and whatnot to try and garner some kind of attention because he didn't have any at home because, frankly, he didn't really have a home mm-hmm. to go back to. <clears throat> um, he was essentially raised by his nurse, yeah. who he was at the bedside of when she passed away and he personally paid for her uh, grave site to be kept up her entire life. Uh, his entire <laughs> life. But, um, yeah, Churchill grew up in kind of a rough household, but he was famous in school as uh, he uh, openly talked about it later in life that he was an uh, absolute dunce in school. <laughs> But um, they show indifferent marks in kind of like maths and sciences, but if it comes to literature or history, they said he was, he could memorize hundreds if not thousands of lines of the Iliad or the Odyssey or Macaulay Mm -hmm. and recall them all from memory in front of the class. And he won all kinds of awards for that. And that clearly shows brilliance. And even his letters to his parents basically begging for, you know, some kind of love and attention are extremely well thought out for, you know, a 12 to 15 year old. Mm -hmm. But then we move on to uh, Sandhurst is where he ends up going, which is basically the 
English version of West Point yep. because he decided a military career was his first choice. I believe he wanted to get in the infantry, but his grades weren't good enough to mm-hmm. get in the infantry, so he ended up being in the cavalry. Yep. And he won all kinds of awards as a cavalry um, man. Like he, awesome. he, yep, he was a championship fencer. He was, uh, he rode good in. Horseman. Yeah, he was a fabulous horseman. He ended up, uh, his father was openly very disappointed in him and talked about how he wasn't good enough and, you know, how foolish he was and. Churchill basically started off and said, like, hey, like, I'm going to have a brilliant military career and then I'm going to join my father in politics. Yep. And verbatim, aside from joining his father, that's what happened. Churchill went to India Mm -hmm. and fought in India. Yep. He spent a huge amount of time there. And that's when he began to rectify his, uh, what he called his short or his bad education because mm-hmm. he, he he did not he was not bookish at a young age. Right. So he basically devoured every book imaginable while he was in India. And he also got a taste for one of my favorite drinks, Johnny Walker Red Label. <laughs> which uh is an unofficial sponsor, along with Guinness, of the Enlightened Podcast. Yeah. But uh yeah, he um he was part of like the last great British cavalry charge. Um, he uh, ended up as, you know, fighting on like five continents mm-hmm. in like eight wars. He ended up becoming a war correspondent, yep. and he was the most high highest paid war correspondent mm-hmm. in the world. Where, That's how he got captured during the Boer War. Yeah, he was in Cuba. He was uh, captured during the Boer War. He fought in Afghanistan and in India. It's it, amazing military career mm-hmm. um and he was a famous writer but as you said his big like catapult to fame was the boer war yeah you read an entire book on the boer war it or not, churchill yes it was not war. it was not a long book but the gist that i recall is um South Africa and some of the other nations that now exist in that part portion of Africa. I can't remember exactly what they all are. Um, but it was the British colonial overlords versus the not quite indigenous because they were more the Dutch Afrikaans who were like earlier colonists who had then kind of intermarried and become kind of a almost assimilated to yeah where it's like it wasn't the 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 it wasn't really european yeah they weren't really europeans anymore but they weren't really africans either they were kind of something in between yeah yeah so it's the dutch afrikaans who had been there forever and then Mm -hmm. the british colonial overlords um and churchill obviously went in as a war correspondent on the side of um the united kingdom wasn't it com- well? It would. I think great it was Great Britain, Britain at the time. Yeah. Um. It would have been. Wasn't it like completely unjustified? Isn't it like openly oh, they talk about how it, it was, was all- naked, like the British Empire was actively just stealing land. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's um, first use of concentration camps were by the British in nice. the Boer War. Smooth. Um. The opening sequence of the King's Man movie. Yes. They yeah, are yeah. at a British concentration camp mm-hmm. in South Africa during the Boer War. Mm-hmm. So those of you who have not seen The King's Man yet, fantastic movie. Go watch it. Absolutely. 
almost as good as the first one. I I still think it's better than the first one. I like it. Better. I like the first one better, but, but I, I I love it, Ray Fiennes. Yes, I was underwhelmed by the villain reveal. I think is my Valid. is my only Valid. issue yes. with um, yep. the King's Man. Build up was fantastic. Ending was. The ending was really, really good. Really, really good, but... It was just the guy they got to play the villain. Yeah. I thought was not... not quite as villainous mm. as we would have liked. No, no, no. I would have loved if, like, Ewan McGregor had played him or something. I was convinced that it was David Tennant for the longest time. I, I was I was going to be ecstatic. Yeah, and it would have been awesome had Ugh. that been the case. David Tennant's a fantastic bad guy. Well, Barty Crouch. Barty Crouch. Junior! <laughs> Once again... Igor Karkaroff, master <laughs> of suspense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Boer War, Churchill goes as a war correspondent. Um, kind of pisses off every commanding officer that he has because he just keeps ignoring orders and going to the front because he's like, that's where the action is and that's where I'm going to get the best story. He's the definition of an entitled, like... Yeah, to the point of getting himself captured. But he also acknowledges that he is entitled. He was also captured, and I believe he was nominated for the Victoria Cross, and mm-hmm. his commanding officer said he was disobeying orders yeah. and didn't want him to, to be in it. Well, because I think the way that he he was... It was on a train, right? Right, well, and then the British military was, like, just made mistake after mistake. It's basically the same thing they did with the American colonials, where mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we're the big bad British Empire, we can mm-hmm. do this no problem. Yeah underestimating mm-hmm. the guerrilla warfare that the um, the Boers were mm-hmm. doing um, to the point where they were driving this train of like armaments Don't and... Don't mind my iced coffee. That's yeah, okay, I'm going to drink mine too. Mm-hmm. They were driving this train of like armaments and soldiers and stuff back and forth on a one, like one track. They, they blew up that track. The train was stuck and had to wait there until mm-hmm. it was fixed. So of course the Boers blow up the track. Mm-hmm. Um... And then attack the train. And Churchill, I don't know if he was leading a counterattack or something, but he wasn't a soldier. So he was just like, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, he was a, so he was a war correspondent at the time. Pardon our, our, the, ma- our mascot here who has wedged himself in between me and the couch. We should probably clarify, it's not a man in a smelly outfit. <laughs> no, it's a puppy. It is a puppy. Yeah. As those of you who are on our Instagram will have met him. And Twitter. Yes, and Twitter. Our Augustus. Um, so, no, uh, Churchill was ambushed on the train, the train got stopped, and mm-hmm. he was furiously trying to get the engineers yeah. to start the train right. back up and get moving again, and he was under fire the entire time, and returned fire exactly. with, like, a pistol yeah, like while a pistol. he was that being was shot at yeah. with rifle bullets, and they said he was manic, and at the entire time was, like, in complete control, and it's like he wasn't the commanding officer, and he, uh, the, uh... What's we call it? Like no one else was fighting yeah. back, and he was trying to organize that. And they said he was calm yeah. and cool under fire the yep. entire time. Yep. Because Churchill was nothing if not a maniac. <laughs> yes. So he gets himself captured. He's taken mm-hmm. to a prisoner of war camp, and within like a couple of weeks of being there, he is again royally pissed off several people, mm-hmm. um, including his compatriots, because he is. Take, trying to take control of everything. Mm-hmm. He makes a plan to escape with, I think, two or three other prisoners, but he's the only one who actually manages to get out. They're like, jump, they were climbing over a wall. It's literally like spy movie 
prisoner of war movie where they're just waiting for that gap in the guard so they can run across into the shadows and climb That's, over I, the wall. I believe one of them climbed over the wall after him yes, and, and broke his ankle or something to that effect I, and got recaptured. Very I don't know if he ever got over the wall yeah. or if he was if he like fell and but yeah, the other two were captured were ca- either captured or the the escape attempt was found out, but Churchill was already on the outside, mm-hmm. and he waited for a good chunk of time, because they were supposed to meet up and go together, because safety in small numbers, because mm. they have to travel across the entire like open stretch of Boer-occupied land. Um, but the other two weren't able to get out, and he makes the trek all by himself. He is able to like find British-sympathetic... Um, farmers in the region who kind of hide hide him in wagons and it's like when farmer maggot hides frodo baggins in the mm-hmm. in the cart yes. as they go to the brandywine bridge to the mm-hmm. buckleberry ferry rather mm-hmm. um and he makes his way slowly but surely by wagon by train by foot back to british controlled territory he he described at one point he had to hide in an old mine yeah and he describes very vividly what it was like to mm-hmm. feel the rats crawling yep. over you as you try and he sleep. like yeah they, they had a they mm-hmm. threw a mattress down there for him and he was he like lived in an abandoned mine shaft for mm-hmm. probably a week or so until the next train was coming mm-hmm. through that he could sneak aboard and hide in and mm-hmm yeah. Uh, but he presented himself, like, directly at, like, British military yeah, headquarters. Yeah, headquarters. It's like, hello, I'm here. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the <coughs> media picked it up, I'm sure, with ample help from Churchill himself. Exactly, and his mother. His mother was nothing if not a beneficial asset back in England. Oh, of course she was, because, uh, you know, she had influence, because mm-hmm. she got around. And, um, so... Churchill becomes a sensation, yes. and that's when he really becomes famous. I, I believe at this time, this is when his father's health is starting to fail. I think his father's already dead at this point. I think I thought his father died when he was younger. I don't think so. I think it's around, it was either India or the Boer War uh-huh. that his father, because I want to say that he does uh, become this sensation when his father's alive, okay. but I'm often wrong. So Yeah, let's see. So, Churchill was born in 1874. When did his father die? Uh, so there's a simpler way to go about this. Yes. And it's Google the Boer War and then Google the father. Well, I know the Boer War was the 1890s. Mm-hmm. So Lord Randolph Churchill died in 1895. Yeah. Cool. That's what I thought. So I believe he, and you know, he becomes a huge like hero. Oh, yeah. And uh, he publishes his whole story and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And his father is remarkably unimpressed yeah his father doesn't care yeah uh his father i should say also ends his prematurely ends his political career by being cut out of government i was wrong the boer war was in the early 1900s his father died a month after he graduated from sandhurst oh okay so his father didn't see any of his military career no well there you go um, but no, his, um, his father essentially was kicked out of government because he made a stand as, uh, I want to say as a, as a conservative. That's, I was going to say, that was the party Churchill belonged to. Yeah, for originally. Lo- originally, he flip-flopped a few times. Um, but, but his yeah. whole, like, he, he made a stand basically saying, like, I'm not going to follow the prime minister, so mm-hmm. I'm going to resign yeah. from my post in protest 
and others will follow me. And, and nobody then followed no him. one followed him. And he was basically just a genius politician that was earmarked for the prime ministership yeah. who resigned. And then no one wanted anything to do with him. So he ended up becoming a very bitter yeah. man who could have been a <clears throat> genius. Exactly. Um, and then on top of that, he had some kind of brain disease, whether it was syphilis or not, we're not mm-hmm. sure. But So Churchill did not have a great relationship with his father. But by this time... His mother, Jenny, um, started to have a, a far better relationship. Yeah, once he him. had grown up and kind of become... <laughs> excuse the sound effects from Augustus. Mm-hmm. Um, become more of a... As you said, they were more friends than um, Yeah, it was much more son. like an older sister yeah. than it was. So the, she uh, could relate to him probably a lot easier once he was an adult. Yeah. So... Um, Churchill begins his political career very soon after this as a conservative joining his father's party and and um, he he doesn't have the most successful start to no he's, politics mm-hmm. I feel like he didn't win his first couple of like when he tried to go for like lower MP positions it took him a little while to kind of get his feet under him. I think it took him a little bit of time, but he, he kind of took to it like a duck to water. Yeah. He wasn't good at the machinations of yes. political maneuvering to get people to like you. Yeah. Uh, not not constituents, but fellow politicians. Right, yeah. He was bad at that because he tended to think he was the smartest person in the room and know what was right. Say, nine times out of ten he was right, but nobody likes to... It's Churchill, so it's like eight times out of ten. Yeah. He has brilliant foresight yeah. that is... But like undeniably genius. Yeah. But two times out of ten, it is a wild miscalculation yeah. and a total fuck up. Yeah. And that's what gets him in trouble yeah. is that he has the same amount of gusto for a bad idea as, as for a fantastic, for a fantastic yeah. idea. Or it might be a good idea that is executed poorly by others and he gets his ass beat. <clears throat> exactly. So he starts his political career. He he, he does well for yeah. himself. Uh, and Works his way up, becomes first lord of the admiralty, and that's uh, he that's gets elected to yes. yeah he gets elected to several different positions, and then he is elected as first lord of the admiralty. He starts I think it's elected. I think it's like with I'm our, sorry, he's chosen. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's like with like our secretary of war and stuff. Where I know, but I would call it elected. He was chosen, like yeah. the prime minister chose him yeah the yeah. Chan- Pri- yeah the prime minister formed his government yes um and churchill was basically earmarked as again going to be the prime minister, prime minister yeah. so i would argue it might have taken him a year or two to get his feet under him but after that once he, he was there was, he was there yes and everyone was well aware of what he was doing and he was um kind of unbelievable yeah he completely and utterly revolutionized the british navy yep Converted it over from all of these old wooden cog galleys (laughs) into a modern... Battleships, destroyers, submarines. Absolutely. And he was the one that had the foresight to see uh, what the situation in Germany was like. And he warned people that it is going to lead to war. And people didn't really listen. He wasn't the only one in this situation. In World War II, he really was the only person. In World War I, however... There were a good number of people that believed. There were, that. yeah, there were 
whisperings of what was mm-hmm. to come. Uh, at this point in time, he took up flying uh, as early in life. Yeah. Like early, early, like the Wright Brothers era of <laughs> flying. Um, he actually earned his... I don't know if he actually got his like a pilot's, pilot's license. license. I think eventually he did... But he clocked enough hours. He used to do it constantly. And he mm-hmm. crashed several times. But he was just that kind of crazy Teddy Roosevelt. Loved to live life on the edge. All right. Um, uh, so during World War One, uh, he was a solid Lord of the Admiralty. But he was always fighting for more mm-hmm. um, funding yeah. compared to everything else. He... he uh, prescribed to the idea of the best way to um, deal with Germany is going to be to basically blockade their ports, destroy their navy, because the British navy was so much bigger and stronger right. than everyone else's, was to essentially just blockade um, Germany and mm-hmm. sl- uh, basically starve it to death. Yeah. But he also looked for other alternatives. Um, his first major thing that went on was uh the siege of i believe it was antwerp it was Mm -hmm. one of those like belgian amsterdam cities uh not amsterdam netherlands Mm -hmm. which i think it was antwerp that is was one of the last like outposts Mm -hmm. of uh the british expeditionary force and churchill basically with like ten thousand, basically raw recruits Uh, joined them at the siege, which he was, like, ridiculous. He is, like, the... He's higher than a five-star general. Yeah, he's, like... And he... It's, like, it would be, like, the Secretary of Defense going to the front lines. Yeah, and uh, trying to... Like, he literally was just ordering the... um, What's we call it? The... The The assault. The charge. It wasn't the charge. The the, defenses. uh, Yeah. um, While they were under siege. The... Uh, in at the time, it was seen as like foolish bravado and him mm-hmm. looking to try and pull that um, Look at his cartoon. Name in the papers yeah, and, cartoon. Yeah. Who was um, was Gordon in cartoon? Who? What? I think it was Gordon, the British hero that died in. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. he was one of the heroes of like I want to say the Boxer Rebellion or something okay. along those lines. I'm pretty sure it was Gordon, but it might have been. One of the other ones. Yeah. But um, his whole thing was he, he refused to give up the city to, like, the Berbers. And uh, so and everyone else abandoned him, but he stayed against direct orders to defend it and ended up getting chopped to pieces. Oh, lovely. And uh, <coughs> they, basically they thought that Churchill basically wanted that because yeah. he wanted to live forever as the British hero who wouldn't mm-hmm. uh, never give up in yeah. the face of insurmountable odds yeah um luckily he was talked out of it and he eventually left and the city did fall uh at the time people thought it was ridiculous Mm -hmm. in hindsight there are military historians who argue that that gave the time for the british main army to prepare its defenses to actually come up with like trenches Mm -hmm. and whatnot so they argued that the timing was so critical at that yeah. point that they may have prevented the fall of Paris. Okay. Which they said, like, that's an indirect, like, that wasn't what he was trying to do. He was right. just trying to hold out. But supposedly, um, and I think one of the generals acknowledged that 
like that is exactly what happened in World War One mm-hmm. or after World War One when he was writing his memoirs. Yeah. Um, but after that, uh, we get into years of stalemate where yeah. you're grinding. They're his quote is they're chewing on barbed wire. We got to get them out. Yeah. And that's what they was literally the horrors of World War One in the brutal slog and. Um, grinding mechanized machinery. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. Oh, look, puppy. Oh, look, puppy. There's nothing greatly wrong with him. He just likes chewing on curtains, apparently. Yeah, I'm sure he sees one of the cats in the backyard. That is also valid. Um, But yeah, so Churchill, his big... He's also chosen the noisiest possible toy to go and play with. Uh, so Churchill concocts a plan with the entire, like, command staff Mm -hmm. in League 100%. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? People openly talk about, uh, Kitchener, had he not died, definitely would have ended up getting the blame. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening was, if you can think of Western Europe, was kind of divided essentially along... France mm-hmm. for what three years where they went back and forth like 10 much, miles yeah, 15 miles the, the France and French and Belgian borders with Germany yep and um you know the trenches get dug in and like they don't there is nothing millions die and they're moving yeah. a couple miles <clears throat> at a time so Churchill has a plan to go around these yeah. defenses and go attack the flanks which is brilliant yeah and I maintain Excellent plan. Yeah. It's a great idea. If so, it had worked. If it had worked. So. This is Gallipoli. Yeah. Which is famous for being one of the greatest disasters in modern military history. Yep. Um, the idea was to Russia was still czarist Russia at this time and was allied against Germany and Germany was fighting a two front war. Yep. However, Tsarist Russia was extremely poor and mm-hmm. had a massive army with very few troops yep. being, um, like, properly equipped yeah, to it's fight the Germans. Yeah, it's the peasants, and then they've got their, offic- their, like, their officers and whatnot, but it's not a professional army like the British army. Not even kind of. It's essentially like a feudal yeah. army yeah. where you literally just have lords go out and lead the peasants with pitchforks and yep. that's kind of what a lot of the russian army was like at that point um so the concept was to fuel um the russian war machine to help defeat germany was they were going to open up the bosphorus straits yep. between turkey and greece yeah and at the time uh turkey was ruled by the Ottoman Empire. Yep, which was allied with Germany and Austria against the Allies. And they had lightly defended the Bosphorus Strait. Yeah. Very lightly so. And if you read the actual accounts of what happened, Churchill's whole idea was, cool, go send in a bunch of naval ships and blow the bejesus out of all the defenses there. And then once we seize that strait... Mm -hmm defend it heavily yeah. and we can open a third front mm-hmm. because we can attack uh germany through the south yeah and they'll control the black sea and they'll control the black sea and you can start running food and supplies to russia to yeah. keep them in the war and 
what ended up happening was just an absolute bungle. Yes. Where Churchill had initially set a date, and then it was agreed upon, and then they reneged on the date and mm-hmm. decided to wait another couple of months. Mm-hmm. And Churchill basically said the conditions are different. Yeah. This should not be going on this way now. Yeah. And uh, what ended up happening was it was a commander who I think later was relieved of duty because he literally had a mental breakdown. And they basically sailed like five ships up with minesweepers and they didn't Mm -hmm. do a good job of what they were supposed to do. And they ended up being repelled by a very small force. Yeah, I think there was only one or two mines in the entire channel, and they hit one mine and assumed that there were going to be dozens more. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and it was one of those things that I think even the second-in-command said, uh, demanded that his first-in-command continue on, and his first-in-command refused. I don't remember if he was a colonel or what. Yeah, Um, But the attack initially failed, and then they basically tabled it for further discussion later on, and then, again, it got kind of, like, pulled out of the woodwork a couple of months later, mm-hmm. when the war still wasn't doing anything, and they decided to send in a massive force, uh, a lot of Australians and New Zealanders, mm-hmm. uh, to go in and they were do an amphibious assault. Mm-hmm. But by this time, the Ottomans had realized exactly what was going on. Right. And they reinforced the Bosphorus, which is very hard ground to lose. It, I was gonna say it's 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 hard to take anyway, even when lightly defended. They had like Napoleonic cannons yeah. in the beginning. Now they had modern yeah it's a very narrow street like getting through the dardanelles getting Mm -hmm. through the bosphorus it is very much like if you have even like a little bit of modern artillery you can hold it no problem and uh germany itself i believe sent uh either bulgarians romanians hungarians one of those eastern i think the bulgarians were on the side of i mean i think they were all on the side but bulgaria at this time i think was actively involved yeah, so one They're of right the, down there anyway. they they sent uh, German companies to reinforce the Ottoman companies as mm-hmm. well, and what ended up happening is I want to say it was two hundred thousand dead, hundred thousand. It was dead. a lot. Um, it was a oh, in a short. Catastrophe. It was one of the greatest military defeats ever. Yeah, it was not originally Churchill's idea, but once it came out, he promoted it vigorously. Mm-hmm. Um, he started to kind of backpedal and say the conditions aren't right, but then kind of weighed whether or not the chances were worth it. And Churchill's boss, who was the leader of the British Army, was General Kitchener. Mm -hmm. And Kitchener said, yes, go for it. Yeah. Um, And Churchill had less and less to do with it. So what ended up happening was Churchill got the full blame. Yep. And he uh, resigned. He tried not... He basically tried to maintain his position because he Mm -hmm. pointed out that, you know, it wasn't necessarily his fault. But one of the uh, naval commanders that he had hired as an advisor basically came out. And though he they used to be good friends, I don't remember why Mm -hmm. he just completely threw Churchill under the bus and even more so than he probably deserved Mm -hmm. and basically told everyone that Churchill was a wild maniac who had maintained that this was going to be successful until the very end. Yeah. Um, 
So Churchill was kind of cast out of government yep. easily. And Churchill went into utter despair. Well, to his credit, though, he resigns his post. He's kind of kicked out of the government pretty much. But then he goes and he fights in the trenches. And that's, he spends... The rest of the war? No. No, no. He spends six, seven months, um, maybe a full year, give or take, Mm -hmm. where he just decides, okay, well, you know, what's him called? I caused the suffering, so I need to suffer as they have. Mm -hmm. So he went to the, like, the front lines of the trenches. People to try and, uh, like, explain away, like, oh, you know, he was like a colonel and he went in and he lived a life of luxury and it's like, oh no, he had comforts. But there was no time where Churchill wasn't in yeah. life-threatening so danger. He had the and comforts there was... that like the other high-class colonels and generals had, where it's like they were a little bit better off than yeah. the people sleeping he... in the mud. It's... Maybe he had a dry piece of wood to sleep on. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Andrew Roberts points out in his book that um, a at one point uh, Churchill gets called by one of the other commanding officers to go have um, dinner with him. So Churchill crawls out of his bunker and basically walks through no man's land mm-hmm. to get there. And uh, he gets there, finds out that uh, he's actually been uh, the guy who's supposed to have dinner with has canceled dinner because he got called away for a mission. So Churchill went back to his barracks only to find that a German whiz bang had gone off and decapitated every single other member mm-hmm. that was in the <laughs> bunker, which, you know, there were like five or six dead. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, Churchill was in very real danger. He mm-hmm. he went into no man's land routinely. People talk about you know bullets whizzing by his feet and yep. him just not flinching because he just had this belief that God had chosen mm-hmm. him to be the yeah. you know the sword of the British Empire, which is utterly insane. He would have been committed in today's world. Well, it's the same way that. Patton and MacArthur acted on the American side in World War II, where you have these generals, these leaders who are 100% convinced that this is what I am meant to do, this is where I am meant to be, and nothing is going to stop that because I am chosen. Exactly. It's just uh, this concept follows Churchill all throughout his life, Mm -hmm. and it is insanity. Uh, But... He serves his time in the trenches. Um, he taught, and he really does talk about uh, what his experience. And he was in the mud, the blood, and the you know the barbed wire and mm-hmm. no man's land and all that. He was very much there, and everyone who was under his command praised him because yep. he spent every waking second trying to make their lives better. And they talk about like even the lowliest private. He would take the time to be like, "Do you need?" like socks and stuff like that and he would petition to get all of that sent to them and he was by all accounts a fantastic commanding officer to work under Mm -hmm. um so he comes out and he's actually able to re-enter parliament after um his time in the trenches before the end Mm -hmm. he's not able to regain a serious position of no but he's he's a member of parliament he's Mm -hmm. elected he's an elected member of the government so he's still like, in the Houses of Parliament, making Mm -hmm. speeches and participating in decisions. He's just not an active member of, like, the ruling government. Yes. And he, uh, one of his friends who uh, is questionably going to become um, 
the next prime minister and he actually does end up being prime minister but he doesn't select churchill because he finds him too unreliable um and it's one of the greatest betrayals of churchill's life but uh the war is able to end finally mm-hmm. and um the the there's a good most of the yeah i'm most of the 20s most of the kind tw- of in the background of the government. So, uh, funnily enough, is during the twenties is when Churchill really starts to seriously work as a politician, mm-hmm. not just personal ambition. He seriously starts putting stuff to work. He has major fallacies. Oh yeah, where he is partially responsible for the black and tans in uh, Ireland, if not mostly responsible mm-hmm. for it, um, but openly, I believe had talked about how he was wrong yeah and tried to rectify and make peace afterwards um the he also is the first person to seriously look at uh welfare programs Mm -hmm. in england because uh he found out about uh, a woman whose husband had died in the war and she was trying desperately to keep up like a boarding house yeah and she had like five children he Mm -hmm. said well the government should be at least partially responsible for helping Mm -hmm. her out you know especially part of you know her husband's sacrifice and so churchill pushed through the first legislation and wrote the first legislation on welfare law Mm -hmm. and i think that was welfare law in the western world yeah uh the united states certainly didn't have it yet and that's where it's like you know Mm -hmm. people will uh point out you know churchill has a lot of his imperialistic conservative Mm -hmm. side and he was certainly a racist, along with everyone else in that time period. Mm-hmm. But he also did a lot of good, just yeah. governmental-wise. Yeah. Um, at one point, he does end up being elected... Um, what's the treasurer? Exchequer? Exchequer? Yes, yeah. He becomes chancellor of the Exchequer, which his father had... Mm-hmm. Had been at one point in time. Which I cannot think of a job that I would find more boring than being responsible for the budget. That's, uh, Churchill was terrible at it. Mm-hmm. And people openly, like, he openly acknowledged, like, he had no head for figures mm-hmm. at all. He lived in debt his entire life. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand economics even slightly. Nope. Um, but it was a position that, yes. you know, lent him a lot of, uh, ground. And what Churchill ended up doing is during the 1920s, I believe it was 24, mm-hmm. uh, he switched from... Tory to Labour? Yes. And uh, essentially just became a liberal. Yeah. Um, actually... The 1920s did, I don't think he a ever, liberal. I was going to say, I don't think he ever joined the actual Labour Party. I think he joined the Liberals, because the Liberals and the Labour Party are two right. different things in England. Um, so he joined the Liberal Party after being a uh, conservative... And he stayed with the Liberal Party for like twenty years, mm-hmm. and then uh, he rejoined the Conservatives at the start of he, World War Two. I yes. think I think before that. Yeah, like, yeah, like before the war started, he was a member. He was a. He was I want to say it was during the thirties, maybe yeah, the late twenties. Say he was a Tory MP again yeah. by the time that World War Two broke out. Yeah. So basically, the nineteen twenties is he held a lot of high level government positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got women's suffrage completely wrong, but. <laughs> in a very understandable way in which uh he was kind of like debating on the topic he wasn't really sure what to do and some of just the early feminists were terrorists 
they literally would grab MPs that disagreed and, like, beat the living shit out of them. And there were bombings and stabbings and attempted shootings and stuff like that. And that's kind of what made up Churchill's mind of, like, okay, well, if this is the people that want to vote, they shouldn't be allowed to vote. And in hindsight, that's a terrible thing. (laughs) But at the time, it's very understandable when you have snipers coming after you and you're like, oh, well, I guess they should have a vote. Yeah. Um, God. So yeah, by no means does he have, is he perfect in any way, yeah. shape, or form. He is highly flawed, and his judgment is not always great. So what ends up happening is what's up? I was just saying, I was trying to figure. I was trying to look at his political party affiliations, and yes, he was a conservative from nineteen hundred to nineteen o four, liberal from nineteen o four to nineteen twenty four, and then conservative again from nineteen twenty four until his death. So, uh, then we get on to the 1930s, and, uh, Hitler is elected in, is it 1933 or 1936? 1932? I think he was, I will double check myself, but I think it was 1932 is when he first becomes chancellor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like 33 or something. Oh, no, you, you were right. He was, he was dictator from 1933 until his death, so I think he was elected or chosen chancellor in 1932. Okay. So, point being is Churchill held these um, these governmental positions, mm-hmm. and then he switched back to conservative, and he kind of just became an outcast at yeah. that point. And they're called his wilderness years, mm-hmm. because he literally spent from, was it 1928, 29, maybe early 30s, mm-hmm. until what, 1941? 19- no, because he became... Prime Minister... 1940? Yeah, because it was... It was no, after 1939. It was, but it was very shortly after. Because um, I read the first volume in his History of the Second World War, and he becomes First Lord of the Admiralty again in 1939, mm-hmm. around when, um, when Germany invades Poland. And I'm pretty sure that it is early 1940... When yeah, that's why when yeah, he gets elected when Neville Chamberlain yes. resigns and he is chosen as the succeeding um, prime minister. So as we've talked about, we've talked about in the previous um, crash course histories, especially the the Allied one. Um, the early years of the war are characterized by like disillusion, basically, yeah. among the Allies because they're not sure what to do. And this generation that grew up with the millions dead, an entire lost generation of mm-hmm. young men. And families torn apart, and once again, the mud, the blood, and the barbed wire. Yeah. Um, all of these people had seen what it had done, and they wanted to do their damnedest to make sure that anything like this had never happened again. Mm-hmm. And as Hitler began to rise to power, and this, this revamping of German militarism... Yeah. No one wanted to believe that anyone... No, they genuinely thought, like, no sane person could ever want a war like that again. And they looked at the Treaty of Versailles, and they were like, yeah, that was harsh. Yeah, maybe the provisions that are in here aren't super reasonable. We can let Germany... Skate by. Yeah, we can let them rearm. Well, we can... Yeah, like, some of this land that was taken from them, like, they took it back. We're not going to fight over it. And it's only once Czechoslovakia and Poland happen that the rest of the world is like, shit, we gotta do something about this. And that's 
late 1930s. Yeah, it's like it is in, like September 1939 when Poland is invaded and Britain's like. <sighs> but an absolute hound dog yes. before this is Churchill, who Churchill had his is, fingers on the pulse. He is speaking out against Hitler from like the moment Hitler comes to power. It is from the very beginning. He uh, he had the chance to meet Hitler, mm-hmm. and I think Hitler or he snubbed Hitler. Or Hitler snubbed him, and yeah. I forget which one it was, but. Uh, Churchill openly is very and kind of throws away his political career yeah. on the grounds that um, he he really I mean his two major issues were he was violently anti-communism mm-hmm. to the point of where people called him a broken record about how terrible you know the evils of socialism and communism were and he really pushed hard for supporting the whites during yes, the during Russian, the Russian Civil War and that uh Obviously, they the British did send troops, but the whites just got absolutely annihilated mm-hmm. by Trotsky. I think, I think it was Churchill who had originally put forward some of the um, plans to try and evacuate the Russian royal, royal family from mm-hmm. Russia when the Civil War first broke out. And that's... Uh, Churchill had his finger on the pulse yeah. of geopolitics very, very early. So he basically said, like, you know, what we uh, what we see in, uh, you know, the communists and what we see in the fascists is basically what he had seen with the wild mm-hmm. tribes of Afghanistan mm-hmm. and those uh, the the um, I'm I'm looking for the word what it, the the religious. Zealots. Ze- yeah, thank you. The the zealots. Yeah. That it, he it's fanaticism. Yeah. That he sees on both sides, and he is very well aware of how dangerous that can be and how pervasive it can be. So Churchill is after Stalin, and he is after well, he's after Lenin and mm-hmm. then Stalin, but he's also after Hitler the entire time, and uh, he basically just spends the thirties constantly talking about. We need to prepare for war. We need to update things. Yep. You know, we cannot allow um, Hitler to do this. He has one of my <coughs> favorite lines, which is, uh, you know, our government uh, likes to weekend in the country, mm-hmm. whereas Hitler likes to take countries on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so Churchill is beating the same drum over and over yeah. and over again. And war breaks out, yep. at, despite appeasement, mm-hmm. and all of the things that Churchill said come true. Yep. Um, he... kind of seizes the prime ministership, slightly. There, There is talk mm-hmm. that um, Lord... starts with an H... Halifax. Yeah. Uh, Lord Halifax was kind of earmarked mm-hmm. as the next prime minister, but he didn't necessarily have the popularity. Yeah. And they knew that Churchill might have the popularity mm-hmm. and the, the strength to do it. Yeah. As the first Lord of the Admiralty. Yes. And Churchill again started a, a, a long campaign of um, bringing the Navy up to snuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he... It, there's like an awkward situation where the prime uh, where um, Chamberlain kind of offers it to Halifax and Halifax kind of poo poos it mm-hmm. 
and basically says like Churchill's a better choice mm-hmm. and Churchill goes I am a better choice <laughs> like I should be yeah. and then um you know legend has it that Halifax was just too shy mm. to take it which I think is BS I yeah. think it's one of those they knew what was going on yeah and um they were also hoping to rid themselves of Churchill I think is the other side of things. I think they, they were hoping that he would crash and burn and or they could control him that too and which, <laughs> which is no one can control Churchill I don't think Churchill could control Churchill. <laughs> um the only one who could who could even like manage him a little bit was his wife and even she couldn't do it all the time oh Clementine absolutely not <laughs> that's why they had to live separately for so much yeah. of their lives because he was a maniac mm-hmm. uh, so uh, we should also say that Churchill becomes an award-winning historian yes. during oh this God. time his, period, as oh, well as, yes, oh, he writes a uh, history of... Uh, the Second World War. Uh, he writes a history of the First World War. Mm-hmm. He write, also wrote a history of um, his ancestor, the, the Duke of, Duke of, Duke of Marlborough. The first Duke of Marlborough, yeah. And both of these series of books are like widely acclaimed i think he won the nobel prize for he his did. world war ii history he did yeah and i was gonna say i've only read the first but that's because uh, they are but they he was the prime minister yeah no the um the the world well the world war ii ones were published in the 50s yeah i know that's what i'm talking about is he was formerly the prime minister mm-hmm. that's a little bit of oh a, yeah you know and it's like they are like pure history they are dense but they're wonderfully well written and that's Churchill, uh, that is part of yeah. Churchill's also other um, talent. Is that yeah, he his, just his has speech a way with writing, words. his writing, but it, writing. It led to a lot of his popularity as yeah. well, and why he was a good choice for mm-hmm. what to do. And people also were well aware that Churchill was a genius for organization mm-hmm. and um, actual like military combat. Stuff. Absolutely. Um, so that kind of brings us to the outbreak of war with Churchill. Well, well there's uh, the war had already broken already broken out, out right? It brings and, us to his yes his ascension, his and rise it, to power. Uh, Churchill literally comes to power, I think, the day before the fall of France, and yeah. uh, you know he he very quickly had to or the fall of Paris, mm-hmm. and he very quickly had to deal with just he was handed utter catastrophe. Yeah. Um, had. His Dunkirk speech. Yeah, it's uh, he had um, Dunkirk was right at like he was a very new prime minister. Mm-hmm. He had just come to power, and he basically said like I don't have all the answers yeah. right now, but we're gonna do the best we can. And then he gives uh, one of the most famous speeches in the English language, mm-hmm. which is "We shall never surrender." And if any of you have not listened to Churchill's never surrender speech go do so go do so because it's it, i st- i get chills every time yeah. i listen to well, it well it's it's been kind of back in public attention right now because president Zelensky of ukraine used it in one of his addresses to congress because they're in the exact same position yeah. that britain was yeah. and it was uh lord halifax in particular openly talked about well why don't we deal with hitler yeah we can get reasonable terms for the end of the war yeah and you know we can retain our sovereignty mm-hmm. hitler doesn't want to deal with us if he yeah. doesn't have to so yeah. we should just give in mm-hmm. and churchill in its liter, i cannot stress this enough churchill is the individual and we talk about individual agency mm-hmm. and i i hate that people kind of 
chuck out the great man theory, mm-hmm. and I, I agree with that to a point. However, it There delineates... are some great men out there who no. single-handedly impacted history in ways. I wouldn't even... I wouldn't call it a great man theory. I would call it a great person great theory. Great individual, yeah. Or, yeah, great individuals. And, you know, great can mean powerful. It doesn't necessarily mean good, but... Because yeah. Hitler and Lenin and brings, Stalin are all... It brings back the John Hurt as Ollivander quote about Voldemort. Yes. Terrible things, but great. And that uh, Churchill, I cannot stress enough, and if there's one thing that this entire episode can get across, is Churchill is the reason that we won World War II, Mm -hmm. single-handedly. If he had not, if he had dealt with Hitler, which a lot of people at this time were, and it was very reasonable to say, we should not put the British people through this, and Churchill had pressure from his entire cabinet, and reasonable offers. Mm-hmm. And Churchill himself said it's not worth it. No. Had he agreed to that, Hitler would have been able to take his full force yep. and gone and crushed Russia. Yep. Years before he oh, got yeah. the chance to. Because he was delayed because England distracted him. Yep, England wouldn't give in. And that's they wouldn't it. surrender. And that's the whole point of Churchill. And we'll get into the rest of his military, uh, like I shouldn't say military career, because we went through his military career. His World War Two. But his World War Two command. Yeah. Uh, we'll do in part two, which I didn't know that we needed to do, but we. As we've been talking, to, is he? Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be a part two. I mean, we have covered three quarters of his life at this point. Yeah, but the least interesting <laughs> three quarters. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely follow this up with a part two. Mm-hmm. But here we go with our introductory Winston Churchill, wonderful. Stop giving me that face. <laughs> I don't have a way to close this out. No, you had no segue to tune nope. in next week. Like, you just could have. Just said. rambling. It's just, hey, you know, this wonderful, awesome kind of thing. Thanks for listening to the Enlightened Podcast. We are brought to you by Anchor, a subdivision of Spotify specifically for podcasting. Not only can we be found on Spotify, we can also be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or frankly, anywhere you can find a good podcast. We can also be found on Instagram and Facebook. We're working on getting a Snapchat together. And in the meantime, you can DM us any questions, thoughts, concerns, or just a review. We've gotten more than a couple so far, and they've been overwhelmingly positive, not to brag, but we're pretty happy about that. So if you have any other thoughts or opinions, please feel free to let us know. And in the meantime, like and subscribe for more content. All right, welcome to the illustrious season two return of the Enlightened Podcast. Hello, I am your host, Ben Hunt, here with my friend and sometimes co-host. I forget my name. (laughs) Uh, What are the boxies? What? Reggie Wilder.
Reggie Wilder. I, I am here with Mr. Reggie Wilder. <laughs> That's my name. <laughs> Don't wear it out. Do, do, do it again. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's infinitely funnier. <laughs> God damn it. Reggie here. <laughs> I am here. So, um, I think we're just... we. This episode is going to be based on Star Wars in general. Because that's what we've been talking about for the last half hour. Half hour we've been talking about and it. And it's just it's, like... It, it just... It, it hit a point where I was like, I just need to hit record. Come on. Like, it's really... It's what it is. So, we're fresh off Obi-Wan uh, episode 5. Episode 5. Yeah. Episode 5. And uh, suddenly it's the first halfway decent episode of a pretty dog shit TV show. I, it's not halfway decent. I like my guy Ben loves like loved the episode because oh, of the oh, oh. Vader. Not loved. I, it's a C plus. It's just the first <laughs> passing grade. This show is. It, let alone when was the last time Boba Fett got a passing grade? Please, they had to go back and reanimate Mark Hamill. Dude, to try I I I don't know. Like I don't know Disney what Disney's doing. Sucks. I don't know what Disney is doing. Uh, I, I, for what it's worth, Disney brought back Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. They're excellent in it, in and their capacity, I guess. There's not a goddamn scene that Ewan McGregor is in that I'm like, this is a terrible scene. It's, Every, he's it's just, just everything that actor. everything that's around him is terrible. And it's like people threw this writing together in five minutes Every other episode, every other scene is just like, I think that one's a Jedi. <laughs> the fucking Kumil Nanjiani they brought in, who is the least Star Wars Star Wars person of all time. Dude, they did that with Bill Burr and the Mandalorian. Oh, what I stand think? behind that. That was also a terrible casting choice, and I love Bill Burr. I love Bill Burr too. Um, he was actually good in one episode. Of uh, the, the, the last one that he was in, I yeah. thought he was pretty good. He was pretty good in, yeah. but like all the other ones he was in, he was dog shit. So and I did not it care. Takes us out of the show. It's all supposed to be this expansionist escapism. We all get lost in the story, and it's just Disney's like, oh, you know what people like? They like allegory and people that are famous. So uh, what we do is uh, the Empire are the Nazis. And every single scene, like, old A New Hope, it's clear that they're not just Nazis, they're also Romans. <laughs> they're also Alexander the Great. They're Mongols. They are the newest empire in the series of civilizations that are empires. Tolkien said it, said it best, allegory is for fools. <laughs> That's paraphrasing what he said, but Tolkien is the lord. <laughs> I, I detest allegory ever since I have been old enough and wary enough to detect its presence. That's a direct quote, people. Listen to that quote, and that is how I feel about people that love allegory. It's, it's everyone wants to do this Stupid Hunger Games dystopia where, oh, the government's evil and everyone turns Nazi in the end. And it's just... Kim Maybe you're right. Who, 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 who fucking cares? Yeah, I, I don't want to go Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just want to see some laser laser swords. Yeah, and yeah, just... Space Cowboys. Steve Miller said it best. I've been looking for it ever since. 
Dude, we got one of the greatest characters uh, ever from Han Solo. He could be like, and you can compare him to the Wild mm-hmm. West and everything, mm-hmm. and that's fantastic. But he's a space cowboy, and that's amazing. He's his own thing. It's not one for one. Every single scene's like, wow, this guy's just that's wider right there. Yeah. No, shut up. It's just yeah. he's just he's just the fucking. At no point am I just like, oh, I get it. The Emperor is Hitler. Like n- that never happens in the original series. Mm. Stormtroopers, yeah, I get it. Stormtrooping, and like, yes, there is Nazi iconography that is in used to make the Empire be more like the evil Empire. But they don't rely entirely on that. No. And it's dumb. It's that dumb. Disney is just leaning so hard into it. It's pedantic. It's bad. It's lazy writing. It's more Game of Thrones writing. It's more. It's more. It's more pandering to a global audience that wants like more allegorical. Like, oh, this is happening in my everyday life. Every everybody's everyday life is shit <laughs> compared to what I see in Star Wars yeah. and what I want to see is cool shit <laughs> that's just like is out of this world. It is called it is science fiction. It is supposed to be otherworldly fiction that is supposed to be beyond my conception. I just it's um... Dune is the only science fiction that I to to today in the past like decade that I genuinely love. So what surprised me is, um, did you read the first Foundation book? Did I bully you into that? No, no, you wanted me to read it. I made it. I, 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 to my discredit, I am not. I'm bad. I did not like uh, the first like twenty pages, so I didn't never read. Okay, entirely fair. It is. I read the first twenty pages. So I was just like, no, no, no. I'll give you, uh, the fact that you gave it a try already. Cause I it's, did. It is a very eclectic, very different. Um, book but i really got into it because it is it's like dune but it's very original and very different and i like that it's not just a hero's journey again in space that being said me and ellie sat down and we watched the first episode of apple's adaptation of foundation where richard harris's son plays one of the leading roles and the guy who played thranduil plays the emperor Oh, Lee, uh, what's Lee Pace. Lee Pace, yeah. Lost my... We've only watched one episode, and I lost my mind. Because, finally, somebody is putting effort, thought, like, the visuals, money. It's incredible. And it's like, Disney, just take five seconds, and you have twice the budget, Apple. And you actively decide not to do it because you'd rather make Rugrats episodes. I actually think George Lucas kept his, uh, like, his secrets, like, of, like, actually filming Star Wars from people. Because it, like, I... It doesn't... It's visually more pleasing to me to watch a 2005 Revenge of the Sith than it is up-to-date Obi-Wan series. Was it um, Electric Lights and Magic? What's his, um... He has a production company that specifically does that. That he had to develop for um, A New Hope. Whatever the fuck he did. Yeah. <laughs> so much better than what Disney well, is doing. It, uh, the special effects that he wanted in A New Hope were so new and so revolutionary that it's industrial lights and magic. Yeah. Um, he, he created a company and he basically just hired a bunch of people and said, can you make this? And they said, like, yeah, in theory. And he goes, cool, let's do it in practice. And since then, they've been super cutting edge on everything. And um, I think they later became Pixar. 
and that's oh, and that's why Pixar's elite. Like, like, like me and Ben were saying, like Pixar is the only good Disney, just because like, but technically Disney owns Pixar, and like Marvel is going downhill fast. Star Wars is going downhill fast. We had fucking Boba Fett. Boba Fett was one of the worst things I've ever put like my mind to, and that's why like I stopped like I like. Like, I, d- I didn't want to watch Obi-Wan. I'm watching it because of Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. and my fandom of Ewan McGregor, and that is all. It just, it blew me away that you could seriously have a character who has five lines in the original series and is one of, like, the public's favorite characters of all time. He is a ruthless bounty hunter. Who's the perfect antithesis to Han Solo? He is this, like, just absolute monstrosity of a fighter, and this this bad bad person who's just awesome. And in one five minute episode, Disney can say, "Well, actually, he's a good guy now," and he explains it as, "I'm tired of you know working for people who are trying to get me killed." That's it. That's all his emotional development. And then he plays little dances with wolves with the fucking uh, Tuscan Raiders who they want to develop into the society. And it's like, guys, like we don't need the Tuscan Raiders. To and that was never solved. It, it was just culture. like the Tuscan Raiders just like... They got alert. murdered. They just <laughs> got murdered. Yeah. There's no like... no like They got revenge, I guess. Yeah. But they're still dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not like... Yeah, it's just... And I'm not saying that like, uh, you know... But it's just such on. It's a beaten and it, it's a beaten down trope. Ben and said it to me exactly initially. What was going I was just like, let's ride this out. It's an okay trope, I guess. Let's see if it comes to something. It didn't. It's Pocahontas Avatar. It's been done. A thousand times over. It's been done. I just we're all tired of it. It's just I just I just want a TV show to like like, wow me. Again, I have not had a TV show wow me in a while. Was uh, We had a good streak there where we had, like, True Detective, Season 1 of Westworld. We took it for Game granted. We took it for granted. I, season 1 of Westworld was the most disappointing thing, though, <laughs> ever at the end. Because it was wowing me from every corner. I was just like, this show is going to be amazing. It's going to... It was, like, going to be, like, conceptually, like... Like, to take me down, like, what it means to be mm-hmm. human... And they just hit me with killer robots, and I was just like, God damn it. <laughs> Sometimes I just need killer robots. I maintain, I still, I agree with you that the ending is not as good as it could have been. Have you watched Westworld after that? Yes. You have? Okay. I did right. not keep up with it, because the There you go, season, though. There well, we go. season two wasn't as well written. It was like a huge step down. Yeah. Um, season one, though. Season one is is a great show. I need to go back and rewatch it again. Well, Anthony Hopkins is like the highlight of that well, season. Yeah, Anthony crazy. Hopkins could play like Queen Latifah, and I would watch it. That is, wow that that that's a that's a visual right there, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that is a visual. What Meryl Streep is to most white women is what Anthony Hopkins is to me. Is that a better explanation? Damn, I didn't know Meryl Streep was that loved. <laughs> Absolutely. What's the line from Modern Family? Is Meryl Streep could play fucking Batman and I watch it. Hot take, like, Meryl Streep? She's okay. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. I, 
don't think she's a bad actress. I think she's actually quite good. I, Is uh, she the greatest actress to ever live? Who the hell has ever said that? I don't understand. <laughs> Never understood it. Like, you know, Tom Hanks is throwing himself down cliffs for, you know, a uh, castaway. And DiCaprio's getting eaten by a fucking bear. But she plays, oh, the devil wears Prado. And then suddenly it's like, oh my god. <laughs> Preposterous. Yeah, I, yeah, you can put, you can put the, she, she's Mamma mia everywhere. <laughs> Singing ABBA, which, dope, I'll watch it every yeah. single time. <laughs> it's complicated, underrated rom-com. Oh Love my god, Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep in that movie are amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Not to mention Steve Martin. Steve Martin plays that role so well. Perfectly. Because he's not funny Steve Martin, he's contemplative really good actor Steve Martin yeah. and that's what I love Meryl Streep is never more attractive to me than in it's a complicated actually though she's the perfect MILF in that movie I will say what yeah you're a big fan of the cool 65 year olds huh oh she she's not 65 like she's like she's like 70 now but like like, like back, back then that was like 2008 she, she was like she was like 80 then. <laughs> She's like 80 now. She was like in her 60s then. Dude, shut, yeah. dude, shut <laughs> up. No way was she. 60. Oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. You're hanging out. I'm going to prove you wrong. Hold Hang on. At Linden Hold Ponds. on just a second. Guilt that. I don't I, I'm still standing by it. I was I was digging it. <laughs> but like let let's see. Like I, she's not 80. She's 72 and that came out she was probably 52 when that came out, so fuck you. It was, came out in, like, 2008, so that was... Oh, no. Um, my math is wrong. She was probably 58. 14 so, years ago. So, I'm sorry. So, my, my cool 60-year-old joke is two years off. I, fi- 58, it, I mean, it, it, it's a stretch. <laughs> like, but, like, 58's not, not a grandma. I would say sometimes it's a grandma, but sometimes it's not. Okay, man. Hey, <laughs> you do you. Whatever floats your boat, dude. I'm not. I I'm not yucky. Attracted <laughs> to this woman, and I will not hear if answer butts about it. <laughs> I respect. Uh, you know what? I will, Helen Mirren. I will. Uh, I will cast your way. Is uh, my answer? To oh that. fuck yeah! <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. She is she is a genuinely attractive woman. Yes, that's all. I, that's all I wanted to say. But back to my point of how much Disney stinks at oh making Star Wars movies. Yeah, I um, I just watched uh, Rogue One for the first time in a couple of years, and I realized that I've been harder on it than I needed to be. For, um, oh no! You, a long time. You, I I've watched it also like in the past year. I think it like literally like last year I watched it and it was it was bad. So my argument, and no, I don't think it's a fabulous movie. It's a C plus at best, but it's um Too there's no character development whatsoever. But the visuals are beautiful. The last the battle scene. Is a beautiful battle. Yeah, no, like even the intro scene when what's his name's ship's coming out. Yeah. Um, Krennic's ship is coming out of the mm-hmm. uh, hyperspace and just. Krennic's not a bad movie. villain, by the way, too. I think he's great. I love that they brought back Tarkin. I think it still looks great. They were t- people were really mad about the motion capture, and I was like, I don't 
Like, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I watched Han Solo recently. I that movie that is a, a that movie is a C at best. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. So my argument for Rogue One is that it's the only Disney Star Wars that feels like Disney Star Wars. I mean, I'm sorry that that feels like Star Wars. Just the way it was shot, and the way like the cinematography feels. Some of the 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 wide shots. It really does feel like star there's a grittiness that belongs to the originals that disney kind of rounded the edges of that i just i don't know the way that the stormtrooper outfits look they look like stormtrooper outfits they don't look like fat guys in cosplay yeah which even the mandalorian there are fat guys in cosplay that are stormtroopers, and it doesn't. The Mandalorian good. has some answers uh, for me because I'm I'm solely on the team, but like I don't really care about the Mandalorian anymore. Thank you. I also don't like the Mandalorian particularly much. I was un- underwhelmed by the first season. Second season was okay. I you know like I I hate that he took over Boba Fett. I thought it was stupid to bring him in. It's just, it's all about Baby Yoda. That's the end game. Is I, I just, eh, I don't care that much. He doesn't have a face. Let, he doesn't have a personality. I know. It, it, it's just, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So I just like, yeah. I, I, I don't know where Star Wars goes uh, here on out. I hope they just like cut away from this storyline. So And just do something. My completely separate. No callbacks. I don't want any more callbacks. I'm done. I'm every done. I want original. I want every like you know. Jabba Hutt's dice need to be in just so people can go. <laughs> like the Obi Wan thing where he's playing with his T seventeen toy, and so Obi Wan has to be the one that got him the T seventeen toy. And it's like, guys, stop. Like, uh, what's we call it? It's they're doing callbacks, and they're also with the fucking puppets. I am so done. People were talking about like, oh, good, it's the back away. I had the biggest argument with my brother about this. Who's the the old purist? I stop. Yoda looks better as CGI than he does as a puppet. Knock it off. Like, who are you talking about? Yes, CGI was overused in the prequels because they were fascinated with this new toy. But honestly, I kind of I did miss it in some instances. Like it was just Boba like, Fett, the Bantha. It was two guys in a horse costume. It was ridiculous. And then he's talking to it like it's a real thing. It looks preposterous, and it's laughable. It's literally it's like the uh, what's it called in Rome when they're watching the Greek comedy play. And they have like the swords and stuff that are, uh, and it's just, it's, it, that is what I felt like I was watching. Yeah. It was like, uh, 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 what's the, um, what's the Japanese face paint? Oh, the, um, I, I don't know what that it's called, but like, I, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, like it's. Yeah. But it, it genuinely, I, I, it was so overdone and every scene they have to have a fucking puppet and it's like. I don't need this. Don't need it. It doesn't look it. real no. anymore. When you put stuff up in HD and high resolution after you film a puppet, it looks like a puppet. Yeah, it it was good back then because like what you're what you're seeing is like low HD, yeah. and they're like moving like like 
they're moving sl- like slowly with the puppets and shit like that, but it still looks kind of real because you're just seeing it in low Yoda high looks definition. Totally real in the originals to me. Jabba looks amazing. I never, me. I liked uh, uh, CGI Yoda too. I I thought he looked. I generally did think he looked yeah. great. And it's just these people get in their heads like like everything that the 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 originals did was perfect, and it's like no, but a lot of what they did was great. And I really, I do like practical effects, but the ATAC in Rogue One is CGI. It's not practical. The ATAC in Rogue One looks incredible. And it does. So do yeah. the entire, like the ship battles. Yeah. The opening sequence of Revenge of the Sith is an all-time opening scene, like of all time. Like, top, if, if, top, I would, if, I would very seriously put the first five minutes of, of Revenge of the Sith up against like The Godfather. I it is it, incredible for setting the tone and setting the scene. I put it up with um, The Godfather as well. Uh, Lord of the Rings is one of the best prologues I've ever seen. Lord of the Rings might beat out just for the because the narrative. But the the back to back prologues because you had the fight with the battle rock and handoffs too. That's yeah, so incredible. The worst one was the third one. <laughs> that was yeah, the that was not great. <laughs> Funny, <laughs> long memeable moments. But... Oh, oh! As a child, horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> as an adult, very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I um, it's it, it's very like, I don't. It's and it's what they've been keep and we're circling back to Obi Wan, and it's just they keep trying to do these practical effects and then CGI some things and like CGI them like they don't matter. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. I don't think Obi Wan feels like Star Wars, especially like when he's chopping up the big fish. I think you just nailed it because like I just it. It doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. Mm-mm. It just feels like a lesser version of like what Star Wars should be. It feels like Titan AE. Titan AE? Yeah. What's that? It was a cartoon in like the 2000s where Matt Damon did the voice of. They kind of tried to make a Star Wars kind of-esque spinoff story. Oh. It's actually a halfway decent movie. Oh, there you go. edgy for, um, for kids. Okay. But yeah, that was one of those like early 2000s, late 90s channels. Yeah. Um, well, like that maybe. I, I have no idea, <laughs> but like it, it, it's just, it's it's cheap. It's not well done. Yeah. The the stories that we get from these fucking people are, is gross to me. Because uh, Boba Fett was not a good story. No. This is, Obi-Wan's not a good story. Ah. Uh, uh, so, uh, w- we were talking about this earlier, and we should probably delve into it a little bit. Because we got to talk about the good parts, too. We can't just constantly talk about the negative, because that's definitely... Ewan McGregor will always have my heart and soul. <laughs> and every time I see Darth Vader, obviously, I'm going to be like, ooh. Like, <laughs> it's Darth Vader, obviously. Yeah. But, like, I can also just go back and watch the originals every single time and just be like, oh, the, yeah, I can just get I can just get all my gate, uh, Vader-ness, like, yeah. from the originals, and it's awesome. So, it's so much better. Yeah. Uh, my my thing for, for Obi-Wan, what I think they did well, is I genuinely think it is a good plot. Um, so, spoilers, if you haven't watched the show yet, I can't imagine why you haven't. But it's... Uh, Leia is kidnapped 
by the Empire, and Obi-Wan has to go and save her. And I think you set that up as a plot storyline. I think that's a great plot. The issue is they decided to make Leia eight years old. And it, she's super annoying as an eight-year-old. It's the issue with child actors is they can come across as very good or very bad. And there's one or the other. You don't get both. What's a good child actor? Movie? I think Harry Potter did a great job with child actors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Um, Sandlot did a great job with child actors. Yep. But you kind of... That movie, Sandlot, was centered around, like... I was, was going to say, and that's kind of... And Hogwarts was, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Harry Potter was, too. Um, like, you didn't see a fucking adult, really, in the Sandlot. Like, it was yeah, mainly, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. And then you get James Earl Jones at the end, and that was, like, basically speaking it. Speaking of Darth Vader. That's yeah, speaking time. of... Yeah. Um, but it's... So it, it's hard, but it's not, like, yeah. It's not impossible. And I don't think that um, Jake... What's his name? Um, the the um, the kid who played young Anakin. I don't think he's a terrible actor in any way, shape, or form. I actually think he's a pretty good child actor. I think the lines in the storyline that they give him are terrible. And I, I, you know, it's the same thing with Leia. Where I don't think she's a terrible actress. It's just the lines that they give her are kind of obnoxious and yeah. annoying. You can have a clever eight-year-old be, uh, you know, uh, effective in the storyline, but they're doing it in a very ham-handed, now this is pod racing type yeah, of way, and, and which it, none yeah. of us want. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, we all want uh, female heroes, but we had Rey, we've had Leia, we've had Jin Erso. Like, we, we've established that, uh, what's McCoy, you can have great... Um, women heroes they just don't need to be eight years old and i get it that young eight-year-old girls need girls to look up to that's fine can we just write them better and it's the same thing with the villains with um uh uh reva, reva yeah reva the, yeah it's is, it's who's dog shit it, it's 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 really bad um and it's and it's again like not necessarily the actress's fault she's not acting very well in it it's i but the lines that she's giving don't help her either that's what they're disney and her it's really hurting her like it's just like i they're trying to hide behind the fact that yeah there are a bunch of awful racists that are coming out and saying awful shit to her about her being you know a mercy hire and all this stuff and i i feel bad um because you know that's not true she probably earned it on merit but the issue is is that is a completely separate issue from she's a bad actress that is not written well and she might have been a better actress in different circumstances it's the same thing with Hayden Christensen in uh, and you look how he, his career worked out with like he was an okay actor upcoming yeah. he did Star Wars and his career was just like pretty much over over yeah he has done nothing since and that's why i feel bad for this actress because she might have been better if she had been better written um but that being said the character is terrible it's it's predictable it's pedantic her entire like kaleidoscope of personality and likability is entirely based on the fact that she is angry in every single scene and she plays rage and anger and 
impotent rage and impotent anger in every scene. And it's just, that's not interesting to watch. That's not a compelling backing story. It's just, she's not, she's not great. She does parkour in one scene and everyone was like, oh, she does parkour. And it's like, yeah, but she has 50 shitty lines. And that's, I'm not picking on her alone because... That's, that's, that, it is athletic, though. She is very athletic if she was doing her own stunts for that. That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. The other Inquisitors. I'm not picking on her alone. The other Inquisitor with the, the, the super pasty, the alien guy with the pasty white face and the stupid helmet head. Oh, that fucking guy. Yeah, he fucking sucks. He stinks. I thought he was Wong, so I was going to give him a, like, a little bit of credit because I love Benedict Wong. Nope. He's just some dude, and it's just every scene is just, oh, third sister, you don't know what's coming to you. Oh, third sister, we, we hate you, really. You have ambitions, third sister. Yeah, it's just... I have ambitions of my own. Yeah, it's, uh, again, it's uninteresting and dumb. It's, it's like, really dumb. I You know, I don't fear these people at yeah. any point in time. I'm not intimidated by them. I th- Talk about I, Count Dooku, uh, Darth Maul. These are guys that I'm like, oh shit. Darth Maul will always be George Lucas's triumph. I have never been so scared of a singular, like, like, awesome, like, mm-hmm. villain like that, <laughs> and like, like ever basically. And it's that's... it's it's it to come up with a type of character like that is takes just. Imagine, mind I was going like, to say, so imagine if the storyline is you throw away Reva as a character uh, entirely. I actually like the concept of the Inquisitors. You literally have Jedi Hunters. I think that's cool. The way the execution is bad. But throw away them for the storyline. Imagine if you had Darth Maul be the one to kidnap Leia. And you have to have Obi-Wan confront Darth Maul. And you somehow tie the Empire into it. This is an idea I came up with ten seconds ago, and it's already a thousand times better. It's be I am gonna say controversial take too, and it's and it's gonna upset a lot of people because people are fans of this guy. I fucking don't like Dave Filoni. I don't like his Star Wars. He says he's a big like the biggest Star Wars fan ever. I think he has hindered Star Wars in so many ways that like he has come up with good things for Star Wars. But the majority of it, in my opinion, is bad. I think I stand behind you. I, I think I genuinely agree. I like his Ahsoka story arc, but his fingerprints are all over the Mandalorian and Rebels. And I, I'm not as big a fan of those. And Rebels like ruins like Darth Maul's storyline a little bit. If you, uh, I, spoiler the, alerts if you guys have watched. The spinny lightsabers are one of the dumbest things. that Dumbest things read. ever. And he brought those in. That's just a dumb thing we didn't need. Hate I, it. I just, that drives me crazy. Hate when it. When it's like, oh, we just introduced this And there was good parts of the Clone Wars. Like, the Bad Batch, cool, cool awesome. concept. Yep. Very cool concept. I'm not yep. saying the guy doesn't have good ideas. He does. But, but I just... It's, he has taken the reins on stores, and it's just not been good. And who the hell put Kathleen Kennedy in charge? She is even worse spitting that... I was going to say, whoever allowed... Who greenlit the storyline to uh, The Last Jedi, you should be shot. <laughs> oh my god. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> 
A ship is running out of gas, basically. That's the story. <laughs> the storyline is them slowly running out of gas. It's crazy. And then the answer is, well, we're going to use our remaining gas to drive it through the ship. Dude, they fucking fuck up that ship <laughs> at the end. It's crazy. Yeah, first of all, it should be impossible to do that. And there are all kinds of Star Wars lore that prevents you from doing that. Because if people did that, they would just do that fucking constantly. You take five angry people that are a little depressed and you put them at X-Wings. They could destroy the entire fleet. It's dumb. You go into hyperspace and the Millennium Falcon, you could blow up the Death Star. Dumb. Dumb. It's just, they. It, the writing is, is pandering and lazy. And I cannot believe that they are funding these. And it's just a glance at this script and I would have said this is awful. Because Force Awakens is halfway decent. I think Force Awakens is a pretty good movie. I get it. People think it's a copy of A New Hope. It is, but it's a revitalization of A New Hope and trying to take it into a new direction. I get, I, I, I get that. I would just like disagree with you just because I... J.J. Abrams has done that before with Star Trek. He did the same thing. It's a revitaliz- revitalization where he spun an like the original Star Trek into a new different story where it was literally the same story it was just a little bit different. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so Khan, yes, I agree with you. The first Star Trek movie is an original concept. That yeah. Is, like that that entire thing is an original concept and he came up with the idea of how do we revitalize Star Trek? And his idea was, we create wormholes that's going to disrupt the entire reality. And so, and so it's a new, so it's a new it, time. I was yeah. going to say, it's a totally original idea with totally original um, storylines. I think that's fucking brilliant. I really, I do. I, I will go to bat for, for JJ. I shouldn't after um, the last... Um, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, you really shouldn't, but like... Nah. Rise of Skywalker, I would seriously argue, um, is one of the worst movies ever created. And I, I mean that. You are handed Star Wars. Star Wars. You can say the same thing about Peter Jackson and The Hobbit, though. You're I handed agree. The Hobbit. I agree. I agree. I think if Peter Jackson hadn't come up with They Shall Not Grow Old and uh, The Beatles Get Back, I would hate Peter Jackson. But he was able to show he's still a good director. He obviously just... didn't. I don't think he gave a fuck about The Hobbit. I don't think he gave a shit. I really don't. You could like it, it's just like you could see money talks. It's effort people. It's money just talks. It, it it's it's just effort. Like if some you, people if like you're gonna hand me a hundred million dollars to make a piece of garbage Hobbit movie. I hate to tell you this, but I, as much as I love the Hobbit, I will make a piece of garbage movie. Because <laughs> my grandchildren will never have to worry about money. And that's basically what Peter Jackson did. Yeah. Uh, it's just I I Star Wars, it's in a rough place. I don't think I've ever been lower with Star Wars, which is sad. Is we it, went through like five years, five to six years, where we had nothing. Uh, it was 2005 was Revenge of Sith, and then I think... When did... Um, I mean, you, you could have watched Clone Wars and stuff like that, I guess, but like... Yeah, but we had a huge chunk of time where Dude, we I think nothing. it was like... I, I, honestly, honestly, God, I think... ten years. I think it was ten years. A decade where we just didn't have any Star Wars. Remember that like whole thing like oh my god, 
Like Star Wars is actually fucking Star- coming back. I, I, it was it was insane to people that it, Star Wars is actually coming back. And it's just yeah, like, you're we right. had the Force Unleashed in that period. We had Battlefront Two. Yeah, we had Karen Travis's book series. We had um, um, the 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 Last Jedi book series. We had some of the greatest lore and 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 legends that you can possibly come up with for all of these great storylines that all tie into Lucas's work and. Disney really kind of just and and I I genuinely I think that um, Filoni is a big part of basically saying fuck all that and it's it's silly to me that you have brilliant writers who have been approved by George Lucas because the idea was so good that have sold millions of copies and you literally just said like nah fuck it we can do better and then you're shitty at it like, you can still cherry-pick ideas that you like, and they didn't. They went in this completely original direction that's not as good. And it not not that it's not as good, it's bad. It is actively bad. You know what's getting... You know what's, uh, like, like, TV shows that are actually doing well? It's TV shows that are taking from original material. Mainly comic books, I will say. A mainly a, a specific show, The Boys. I yeah, recommend yeah, the yeah. show entirely. It's based off a comic book series. And literally, they are taking source material from the comic book series and putting it on the screen. And it's outstanding. It's outstanding. So, like, if you just, like, read it, you don't have to take the entire thing. You don't have to take the entire story. But... That's why books are better than, like, are sometimes better than TV and movies. Usually. Usually, usually, usually. usually. Because they, like, the author puts thought and and very good detailed effort into each, like, writing that they do. And it's just, it's, it is, it's just better. It, it, and you can really live uh, through that book. That's why... When you like read it, you can visualize it and create something that's amazing. Game of Thrones had what four and a half, six five seasons, seasons, six seasons of, of amazing, utter brilliance. Other utter brilliance. Yes, missteps of with episodes along the way. It happens. I get it, but like but throughout six seasons, it was three seasons of perfection. By the end of yeah, by the end of season six, I was just like, this is the greatest show on television by but far. It was. It I was. Think it, I it, literally it, tweeted it. It 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 wasn't even close. I like it, Breaking Bad was gone. Like yeah. every everything yeah. that I held dear and love was just like this is the greatest show I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and once you get rid of that source material, it's just season seven, and it's at the instant it started happening, it was like, who who approved this? Why is there not oversight? Why did somebody not read this script and proofread it? It's like people literally, it's just like, shove it out. It'll make millions. It doesn't matter. And it's just like, guys, you'll make hundreds of millions if you do a third draft. I just, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Game of Thrones, Marvel, Star Wars. Like, I wouldn't be surprised like if like they took it off HBO because it just doesn't make money. I don't know a single person that would rewatch, would rewatch that That's series. That's what's funny to me. Is that they really counted on that? I mean, we were also hot on the announcement that there will be a Jon Snow expansion TV show. That I so I was uh, so that was the next question since we talked about like the tr- tragedy that is Disney right now. I was mm-hmm. going to ask you this: What are like upcoming things that we can actually like, look forward to? 
House of the Dragon, man. I'm I'm really putting my eggs in the basket of House they of the They have Dragon. the story. Because they have the source material. They have it. <laughs> yeah. They have they have a beginning and they have an end to it. Like yeah. and guys, the beginning and end are sick. It's it's yeah. it, it's, it's, awesome. it's it's an awesome story. Like yeah. and they have details mm-hmm. in between and it's awesome. Like I've I've read uh The House of the Dragon, I've read mm-hmm. all, all that. It's awesome. Yeah. So like it I am also gonna watch it. Um, I'm looking forward. They've been talking about doing a Dunkin' Egg TV show forever. I think a Dunkin' Egg TV show would be great, too. Uh, they're not going to do that for years, though, because they're going to stick with this fucking John Snow. I think House of the Dragon would be great, but whoever said they wanted to see what happens to Jon Snow after Fucking care. He had the only story that was okay. I can, t- I can tell you like what the first episode of that episode of that like Cold. show is going to be. It's just going to be him in like, a little hut, and he's just going to be like... PTSD from like killing Daenerys, you'd be like, it's <gasps> <gasps> just like like getting haunted by it. It's called a wet dream. <laughs> that still pisses me <laughs> off. I, like, 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 I, guys, I have not watched a single second of Game of Thrones I since have, the last. What's really funny is it's, and I've I not have missed it. I've not gone, missed it. So I have gone through the audiobooks. Audiobooks, yep. Yeah. No, 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 yep. Yeah, but I hold that separate a little bit, and the audiobooks are still hold up. They're and, fabulous. The yeah. books are great. They yeah, really are. That's they really the are. Part. And it, it's crazy because I, like I'm listening to the uh, audiobook for Game of Thrones right now, and fucking David and Dan, uh, they took so much material. <laughs> <laughs> from the books that means literally like, direct they still quotes have fabulous scenes that they wrote themselves when like Cersei and Robert, Robert I was literally marriage. about to I was literally about I, to say that that is one of the best scenes that they have yeah one of the best scenes yep oh my god so I it's just there's material out there that is so worth doing like Mistborn the the Stormlight Archives Excuse me. These are TV shows that are potential for multi-millions. They're fabulous. But Wheel of Time... I, dude, I don't know what is, happened to that. It was... It's it, tone-deaf it, it, pandering. It's crazy how bad that, that TV show was. It's crazy how bad that ended up. And um, I, love, I love Wheel of Time. It's definitely niche. And what you did was just make a niche subject, like, even worse for, like, those niche, like, people that want to actually watch it, so. I just, it's, Star Wars isn't niche. It's kind of this universally loved thing. And you take, sure, three-ish of the greatest movies of all time. And you really, you kind of have this endless playground for writers and there's so much that has been done that's good. And there's so much that could be done that people haven't even come up with yet. Look, like, no one wants to, to watch a movie about hope. They don't. You know what people, regardless of the language they speak, want to see? You take a hundred Jedi and have a hundred Sith fight them. And you have a hundred lightsabers and a hundred lightsabers going back and forth. And some of them are double bladed and some of them are lightsaber spears. And you put them in cool ass armor and have a 20 minute massive battle in which ends between the last three and then one good guy and the good guy wins. That's all you need to do. And you have this insane choreography 
What, you can write literally. The it doesn't story even have to be twenty that. minutes. It could be less than that. It should be twenty minutes. It should be twenty. Minutes. It should be twenty minutes. I would watch that scene over and over and over and over. We watched the Battle of the Bastards over and over again, and the Battle of the Bastards wasn't that good. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Braveheart. That like that, that, okay, well Braveheart's amazing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can do that same shit, just lightsaber. It's just we got we got spoiled. We grew up in the era of Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, Braveheart, Patriot. <laughs> these just massive historical epics with these grand battles and 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 Lord of the Rings and and uh, prequels. And it was I recommend awesome. uh, the duel and the king for uh, the king is a good movie. The king, king has a good, a good battle, a good battle scene. <coughs> it's 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 a generally good movie. It's Shakespearean language. It's, it's based a, on it's a Henry the Fifth. Weird. At, at, I think it kind of cut off at an odd point. It's based off Henry the Fifth's thing. No, no, no. I, yeah. I, I, I do. And I, I think the play actually ends weirdly like that. Okay. It was it was a kind of an I odd I'm movie. not sure though like I've I've never actually read that being the Shakespeare said, their version of Agincourt, f- freaking awesome phenomenal man. I I actually think they did it beautifully I I think, I think like I I mean like uh I read I I I consider myself an expert on Agincourt I think they did it very good justice of what like they presented basically yeah that's exactly how I picture it. Maybe a little bit like as Bernard Cornwell <laughs> wrote. Truly, it is uh, what's gonna call it. Yeah, I I think they did a great job. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, uh, so like the King, I would recommend highly when if you want I like agree. a medieval battle. Medieval battle, I think that is very accurate. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, what what other TV shows are you like looking forward to? Like I'm looking forward Jordan, to House of Dragon got, got as well. Dragon, like. Um, about it, uh, I know. Stranger Things is good. If anyone's Stranger uh, Things is solid. I this season hasn't compelled me as much as the other seasons. I liked the last episode. I was actually. Um, I yeah. The the twist was good. Yeah. I will stay, I the, will twi- the twist was. I good. saw part of it coming. I did not see the other. I was the coming. same way. Well, the, I think me and you. Yes, I think me and you were on the same one. Like this guy's definitely. Yep. Yeah, bingo. But yes. uh, but he wasn't yes. like yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought the same. Yes. I up. Yes. I saw. It. <laughs> We're doing hand gestures so we don't spoil it for you people. Um, anyway, but so. yeah, I I thought the same thing. All and I'm saying, it's crazy that Eleven has an older brother. That's all I'm saying. It's <laughs> very true. Very true. But um, all right. Let's end on a positive note. That Vader scene. As much as I hate the writing, holy shit, that was awesome. I mean, like, he was just toying with her the entire time. I was like, I I love this so much. It's him playing the puppet strings. I love, and I just, I think the ship was a little too much. I think you showed Vader being a little too powerful because he could have ripped out Obi-Wan's liver at any point in time. Like, a little too much. Um, But I love. I I like that like that power because like he like he is supposed to be that powerful. He's supposed he's supposed to be that powerful with the force and I and I appreciate right, that. That's fair. That being said, how bad did the special effects of the ship look? Very bad. I thought they looked really bad. They were very they they were extremely bad. I yeah. completely agree with you on that. Yeah, they were very bad. Um that being said, but like the actual fight with Reva. Oh my god. <laughs> 
It's uh, you know what I really love that they incorporated, which made it kind of realistic, is that there are kind of pauses that Vader had to do and kind of move around and compensate for his armor. He wasn't doing a Yoda episode two, just and jumping up and down. And Dude, doing... Yoda would be flexible as fuck when it comes to that. He wasn't doing like yeah. a Duke. Dooku might have been the best, like, like flow kind of guy. Yeah, besides, like, yep. maybe, like, Darth Maul was similar with, like, the yep. flow of it, yep. everything, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, just Vader, really, he did a good thing where, he, like, it was it, it was coordinated. And parts and, like, of it you looked can, you coordinated. Can, you can parts have... Parts of it looked... Un- <laughs> I... Alright. I, and and <clears throat> I'm saying this for, my, like, my people that, people that, like, don't like choreographed. Take a look at Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn. What he is doing is he's doing choreograph, but it also looks like it's, like, actual fighting. Because, like, he's battering, like, Darth Maul mm-hmm. with, like, hacking and slashing. Yep. Like a knight would, basically. Yes. And, like, but he's also doing, like, Jedi moves, which is, like, movies that... I would argue Samuel Jackson does God damn it. That was, like, that was the best thing I've ever seen. The Phantom Menace fight was so... It, it, it's the best lightsaber fight. I I get it. You always argue because of the emotion that it's going to be Revenge of the Sith, but I'm hardcore. I do. Phantom Menace is my favorite, easily. It's, it, fight-wise, like, I, I genuinely, like, agree with you. Like, it, 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 it probably is. Mm-hmm. I just, like, would like to hold on to, like, the feeling that, like, oh, Revenge of the Sith, like, is the best piece, like... It, it has the best music and it's just like it's still no, awesome. I still the duel of the fates, man. It just gets higher. Absolutely incredible. It is, dude. It is, and and like I like I fucking love like that story. Like, I'm getting giddy right now just thinking about it. I'm excited that's what, to go that, watch Phantom that, Menace. That's, that's what Star Wars is supposed to do to you. And that's, like, not what's not what's happening with Star Wars. I agree. Wars. And so, but my thing is that there were scenes that did make me giddy. Uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan being, like, master and apprentice again. The flashback. It was great. Hayden Christensen looks like he's 60. <laughs> he I don't does. care. <laughs> he he like, does. They got to fight. That was so cool, and it was a good choreographed lightsaber battle. I love that. Yeah. That was good. Um, uh, what's some good? They actually showed Anakin killing children. Bananas. That was bananas. I did not think, like, uh, Disney had the fucking balls to do that, I but they die. they had more than balls they to do that. It. They were just they like... Owned it. They were like, he did kill children. We're going to show you yeah, immediately exactly. you what they're going to do. Yeah. Like, we'll show you him choking them out. And it's like, oh, my lord. <laughs> uh, my lord. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, it's, uh, what's it, it, it showed that Disney, you know, there was a little bit of a twist in the last episode with Reva. I, um, I have hopes. It might end strong. It might literally have been like, guys, we just need a vessel to get him here. And we might, that's yeah, kind like of what it feels like, like it is, like the Phantom Menace. We're gonna shift through a, a a thing of dog shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the most incredible fight that you ever see with uh, Vader and Obi Wan. And that's I, I genuinely that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Is it does kind I of would, remind me of Phantom Menace. In, I would be in hysterics though, if like they just don't fight again. If they don't, if Obi Wan just runs away. 
Something like that, dude. Or if, uh, what's him called? Obi-Wan's just a force ghost that he's projecting himself into from Tatooine. Oh. And then he just keels over and dies and breaks cannon. Oh. Oh, don't don't put that in my mind. That would break my mind. That's how Luke Skywalker died. That's canon. That is how Luke Skywalker died. The Force doesn't make sense, by the way. Like the Force, the Force has just been like. I'm just like like any rule. (laughs) Dumb. So like, all right. So the originals was like this Force. The Force was amazing. In the prequels, like oh, we put a science to it. Then the sequels, they're just like. It's just, you know, <laughs> magic. <laughs> Anything you set your mind to, that's the force. Silencio. <laughs> Done. Avada Kedavra. Wrong movie. It's the force. It still works. Leia just floating back into the fucking ship. That will always crack me that's, up. That's I. Who wrote Flying Leia? I don't know. They should be. Like brought out, brought out into the yard, (laughs) (laughs) fucking killing squad. (laughs) I'm I'm a big fan of just public humiliation. (laughs) We need to bring back the stocks. And if you write a bad, like if you write a bad movie of Star Wars, you you deserve the stunts. And guess what? You know what? George would have said, you know what, guys? My bad. <laughs> Taken his licks in the stock, gotten out, and written a better movie. But we have Kathleen Kennedy who's like, you're doing this because you're racist. And it's like, no, no. We, we don't like Rose because she's a bad character, you nut. <laughs> and she was not in Rise of Skywalker, so like, <laughs> you kind of listen to all the races, so. Yeah, exactly. Which, boy, how does that make you feel? <laughs> asshole. God. Well, let's just say that uh, our contempt for sorrows will remain until they give us something that's worth cheering on. I'm loving the next time we tune in is right after the last episode of Obi-Wan and it's just, we have the greatest fight of all time. That would be amazing. I I would prove me wrong, Disney. I want to be proven wrong. I do too. I genuinely want to be proven wrong. Good golly, Miss Molly. (laughs) 